Welcome back to Your 1230, the only podcast where our guests tell their story with the help of 12 questions in 30 minutes. Today, we are thrilled to be joined by Nikki Ballou. Nikki is the number one international best-selling author of the book, Finish Line Thinking, How to Think and Win Like a Champion. Also, The Thought Leader's Journey, A Fable of Life and the Power of Connecting. How to, act, how to Activate Profitable Relationships by Serving Your Network. He is an in-demand and highly inspirational speaker to corporate audiences such as RBC, Lululemon, Royal LePage, and Torstar Media. He is an advisor and confidant to some of the most successful and dynamic entrepreneurs in Canada. Nikki, welcome. We are really excited to have you here. I'm blessed and grateful to be here, brother. Thanks so much for having me on. You got it. You got it. So I want to start there with writing a book and working with some of the dynamic personalities. How, I'm sure that's a very different experience for both. How how do you kind of translate what you're doing face-to-face or one-on-one with some very high performers and then putting it into book for us mere mortals or uh, us regular performers, how we can digest that information? Well, you know, that's a great question. Um, I've always been somebody who's been keen to learn. You know what I mean? Uh, one of my earliest mentors uh, had this brilliant phrase he used to tell me. He says, leaders are readers. So I'm somebody who's always been curious. I, I like to take courses. I like to read books. I like to listen to podcasts. All about helping take myself to another level. And I was very fortunate um, early in my entrepreneurial career to be connected with some of the top performers in athletics and in business. I worked with a couple of Olympic gold athletes. Uh, my girlfriend actually is the three-time Guinness world record holder for running uh, 12 hours on a treadmill. And, uh, okay. you know, just being around these top performers has been something I've been very blessed to have in my life. And it just struck me. These folks think differently than everybody else. And so my first book Finish line thinking, was all about the mindset of a top performer. What is it that has somebody, uh, you know, finish first in their field, like win the Olympic gold medal, make a million dollars a year, create that billion dollar company and has other equally talented people not perform that well. And what I discovered is it's all about their mindset. It's about how they think and your thoughts become uh, things as they say. And so I wrote Finish Line Thinking and Finish Line Thinking just codifies the principles of what I noticed to be true, which is these folks think differently. And uh, that book was a success, I think, because it resonated with people, you know, that changing your mindset would have a big impact on changing your life and changing your success. I, I love that answer. I want to go a little bit deeper on the thinking differently piece and the mindset. Uh, I know there's plenty of people listening to this and people out there in general who hear mindset thoughts and either dismiss it or don't place the proper value on it. And, and I can say that coming from place myself where I was like, oh, you know, that's that's always second hand or second nature. I don't need to worry about that. But the more I, I really had the chance to talk to a lot of fantastic people on the show, and and just as I've gotten older, I realized that actually that's probably the primary uh, focus on a lot of things. And if your mind's not right, and if you're not in the proper headspace, it affects everything, regardless of talent, regardless of effort, or regardless of preparation. So I was wondering how you got there and how you get to show some of the most talented people uh, in, in, the, in the world and in, in what they do, that you also need to have your mindset right, if not have that as your primary concern? You know, that's a great question. I can tell you this, that um, being naturally curious and inquisitive has really, really helped. Secondly, 
you know, Tony Robbins talks about proximity is power, you know? So who you hang around really will shape who you are. I got to be around people with great mindsets. You know what I mean? And that really helped me. I mean, Tony Robbins spoke about how he was a very successful man, but he was making $40 million a year, which was, which is a wonderful sum of money. But he also worked, you know, 300 days a year on jets, going from place to place to place. And for him, it was like, okay, I don't want to be uh, making 40 million a year. I want to be making 400 million a year. I want to be a billionaire. And he started to hang around some folks who were clients of his who were in that class. And there was one fellow in particular that he noticed seemed to have a really blessed life. He, he was a multi-billionaire, and yet he seemed to have plenty of time to himself to enjoy time with his family. So he went to this guy and he said, hey, how are you? Blah, blah, blah. And he's got into some deep conversations. And, you know, he found out this guy made a billion dollars a year or more. And he just said, how, how, how do I do that? He said, well, you need to take advantage of the law of proximity. And he goes, law of proximity? What's that? He said, you need to be around people who are already doing what you want to do. He says, oh, okay, tell me more about that. He says, well, it's not like they're going to give you the money or anything. But that kind of mentality that those people demonstrate will be something they're going to model. And if you're going to hang around them, you can't help but have it rub off on you. You'll learn from it. You'll soon be like it. So you got to hang out with these people. You got to go where they go. You got to uh, be at the clubs that they're at. You got to take the vacations that they take. And Tony Mann is a guy who's a really good student of this sort of thing. So he did that. And within, honestly, a couple of years, he went from making $40 million a year to making $400 million in a single day. And that became possible because he did that. And, you know, when I was hanging out with these Olympic gold medal athletes, right, I became the fittest, the, the most physically dialed in specimen I've ever been. Why? Well, these are Olympic champion athletes. You know what I'm talking about? Just being around them raised my physical game. So that's what made it happen. You know, and you, you got to understand that's, that's important. And I'll tell you my, a little bit about my backstory, if I may, Mike. So I'm originally an immigrant from the Middle East. I'm a Christian from Iran. And when I was a young boy, the Islamic revolution was happening in Iran. And you know, my late father, God rest his soul, he could see the writing on the wall and he hustled us out of Iran and we settled eventually in Toronto, Canada. And I thank God every day for my dad doing that, right? Because, um, you know, we went from tyranny to freedom. And I don't know if you've been following the news in Iran these days, brother, but there have been some tumultuous events. A young woman, 22 years old, named Massa Amini, was murdered by the regime's thugs for the crime of going outside with her hair uncovered. The law in Iran discriminates against women, so they cannot go outside with their hair, their face, or any part of their body uncovered. You think about that. That's like messed up, messed up shit, you know? And this woman was killed. A whole bunch of Iranian teenage girls and young women went into the streets protesting against the regime. Over 200 of them have been killed simply standing up for human rights and freedom. And I, I know these days it's fashionable in the West and America that, oh my God, 
America, oppressive, racist, sexist. Are you kidding me? Go to Iran. You're going to observe real oppression, real racism, real sexism. It's the most tolerant place in the world. I think it's important for people who live here to be grateful for what they have and appreciate what they have because it's such a great country. Not I'm saying that it's perfect, but that it is a place that, you know, at least you have the right to be free and express yourself without being thrown in jail for uncovering your hair for crying out loud, you know? And my dad, he was the example. He was an entrepreneur. You know what I mean? I wanted to be like him because he was the kind of guy who uplifted people. If you needed a job, he'd find you a job, Mike. If you were looking to start a business, he'd help you start a business. You know what I mean? Even if you were going to compete with him, he didn't care. He just wanted to help people. If you worked for him and you wanted to buy a house or a car or apartment, dad would help you buy that house, that car, that apartment. And you're going, what? Who does that? Well, the lakeweight Napoleon Ballou did that, right? But also, why would he do that? Well, first of all, he was a Christian. He believed he'd been blessed by God. It was duty as a Christian to help others and share those blessings. But secondly, he did it because he could. He was an entrepreneur. He was successful. That made me want to be an entrepreneur. I became an entrepreneur because of my father, you know? And then I saw other entrepreneurs. They were suffering because these are good people. They're trying to make their businesses go, but they don't want to come across like they're pushy or salesy or they reek of commission breath. And I saw that. I saw, wow, that's horrible because these good people, they're suffering. Their businesses aren't growing. Their potential clients are suffering because good people aren't helping them. And then some charlatan marketer will come, sell them sizzle, right? And not care whether they deliver. And I thought, well, I want to help these people. Just like my dad helped people back in the day. And I thought, what if I can help people reframe selling to serving? Nobody wants to be sold. You don't want to be sold. I don't want to be sold. But everybody wants to be served. And that directly came from the example of my father, the proximity of Napoleon Ballou in my life. You know what I'm talking about? I think I do. And so many things there I want to follow up on, but I want to start at the end, the selling to serving piece. I've never, I've never heard it phrased that way. And I think it's brilliant. Um, how do you do that? Or when you, when you are kind of putting that into place, where, where's a good, good way to start? Because you're absolutely right. There are plenty of people that are either entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs, but they are terrified or afraid to death of coming across. Well, I don't want to be pushy. I don't want to be salesy. But if you change that to a serving mindset, uh, I think that could alleviate a lot of that. So how do you do that? What a great question. So first of all, you got to understand that business is not a numbers game. It's a people's game. And your audience, if you're listening, this is a good time to take notes. Business is not a numbers game. It's a people game. That person in front of you, that's someone's father. That's someone's mother, someone's brother, someone's sister, someone's son, someone's daughter. They're a hero to somebody. They've probably been disappointed by life and maybe even disappointed by someone like you who made big promises and didn't deliver. And you got to remember, man, that that person is someone that is counting on you not to be the same charlatan that maybe ripped them off before. And if you focus on them, we got to remember businesses. I developed this thing I call the seven figure three P solution, right? It's kind of a fancy name for a very powerful but simple concept. What's business? Business is about solving acute problems, P number one, for wonderful people, P number two, for an amazing profit, P number three. Problems, people, profit. That's really what it's all about. If you focus on numbers, you're screwed. If you focus on the person in front of you, 
then you'll be service oriented. If you're thinking about the money, that's when you're going to go, I'm going to come across as salesy. I'm going to come across pushy because you're focused on the money. Don't focus on the money. Focus on the human being in front of you. What's their pain? What's their suffering? Are you able to help? Because if you are, it's your duty to help. That's what business should be and is, in my opinion. If you're not, then it's your duty to say you aren't able to help them. It doesn't matter how much you need the money. I can't help you. It's not what I'm able to do. So you know what? I'm going to direct you somewhere else. That's what you ought to do if you're going to be a service-minded person. But if you can help somebody and you don't help them, honestly, shame on you. But if you can't help somebody and you try to shoe on your way in just because of the money, shame on you for that too. Very, very valuable lesson there. And I just want to take one, one more step backward. You mentioned your father, Napoleon, a couple of times there. What was his business? I know it can't be easy changing uh, changing where you live, going to a new country and being an entrepreneur and not, and not having the, um, you know, the ability to have, have roots there kind of start. So what did he do? Well, dad back home um, equipped hospitals. He would import uh, hospital laundry equipment. He would import... Uh, you know, hospital kind of uh, centrifuges for dialysis. He would imp- import surgical instruments, hospital beds. Dad would equip hospitals. That was his whole deal. He had a company called Tarotab Medical. It's all about equipping hospitals, man. It was, it was pretty incredible. He also had some real estate investments. And when he came to Canada, he got into uh, a, a trendy new business, you know, uh, tanning salons. Uh, he continued to run his business in Iran, even from Canada. And he also continued to be part of, uh, you know, a group of folks here that were involved in investing in real estate. That was his whole deal. Very nice. Very nice. Well, he definitely put you on the right path by not only being the example of what it is to have your own business and, and do it in a way that comes from service and collaboration and helping others, uh, but to, to say that, that that was kind of the best, best way forward for you. Uh, <clears throat> Kind of in that vein, what does your current day-to-day look like? Look, I what I do is I help service-based entrepreneurs primarily add one to two zeros to their monthly income while working 10 to 20 hours less per week. And I, I do that by helping them uh, do a number of things. Well, one is, you know, come from service and love. Like I'm, I'm, I'm kind of fussy that way. I only want, want to work with people who are, you know, genuinely heart-based and want to help other human beings. Like I'm not interested in helping charlatans become more successful. You know what I'm saying? Secondly, um, what I notice is a lot of good people in business, like you talked about, they, they, they don't have any inkling of how to have good messaging, how to stand out. So their messaging sucks. That's a technical term, sucks. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and, and they have what's called a Mayo message. One of my mentors, Mark Von Muser, he came up with that phrase. I thought it was pretty cool. And you ask them what they do. Oh, oh I'm, I'm, I'm a realtor. I'm, I'm a mortgage agent. I help people deal with overwhelm. What? Nobody cares about that. You know, you need to have a message that's dialed into how you help people. Let me tell you a little quick story. I, I had a fellow come to me. His name was Dan. He was a young fella, 25 years old at the time. He was a personal fitness trainer, really good dude. You know what I mean? One of these guys you want to be friends with. You want, you want to see him win in life, you know? And Dan, he was excited. He wanted to help people, but he, his business was not doing so hot. He had like seven clients. He made $1,200, $1,300 a month. And um, so when he came to me, I, I, I said, okay, so 
Dan, who do you help? He goes, oh, I, I, I can help anybody. I can help him lose weight. I can help him get strong. I can help him get fit. I can help anybody. I'm like, no, dude, no, no, that's not going to work. Who do you help? He goes, no, no, really, anybody, anybody. And I go, anybody with a wallet and a pulse? And he's like, ha Nikki, good one, good one. No, 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 no. Uh, but I suppose so. And I'm like, okay, that's not going to work. So let's narrow that focus. So he said, okay, I can work with doctors. My dad's the doctor. I love my dad. And doctors make a lot of money. <laughs> not a great message, right? My dad's a doctor. Doctors make a lot of money. Didn't work out too well for him. So I told him that. And obviously, he could tell because he wasn't making more money. He goes, okay, okay, I'll narrow my niche more. And I'll work with cardiologists. Cardiologists, they make even more money than doctors. Again, not a great message. You make even more money than doctors. <laughs> it didn't work out so good. Then he all of a sudden serendipitously started working with a guy who was a Paralympic athlete, had a missing leg from when he was a child, childhood accident. Um, this guy, really cool guy, African-Cuban fellow, really cool name, Papito Wilson. And you had to pronounce his name right. Eh? You couldn't call him Papito Wilson. right? So Papito and, and, and Dan, they got along. They trained. He helped him get shape and win a couple more medals at the Paralympic Games. They came to me. He goes, love working with this guy. I think I want to work with people with missing limbs. I'm like, wow, that's a great idea. Yeah, yeah, go do it. So, buddy, in six weeks, he signed up 400 clients. Wow. He added not one zero, but two zeros to his monthly income. He made over 100 grand a month. Why? First of all, nobody else in the fitness field was going after folks with missing limbs at that time. They felt they couldn't work out. So, you know, Blue Ocean to come to, you know, from that famous book, Blue Ocean Strategy. Is it a blue ocean, not a red ocean, number one? Secondly, just imagine, put yourself in the shoes of someone with a missing limb. They're probably not thrilled about that. They probably uh, have some uh, negative thoughts about that, about what's possible for them. And his message was, the heck with that. You can do anything anybody else can do, and I'm going to help you do it. Let's make you strong. And that message landed. And that's why he was able to do that, right? So it's really important for you to have a really tight, dialed-in message that solves a particular problem for a particular group of people better than anybody else. I love that story because it illustrates everything that you've talked about so far uh, in in very, very sharp form by showing that helping others, being specific about what you do and being more, uh, I guess, dialed in to what it is you do to eliminate those problems will lead to profit. So having that uh, serving mindset really served Dan there. Because uh, as you said, as he was going for wider niches, more, uh, you know, higher, higher level income earners, it, it wasn't working because it either uh, message didn't resonate, it didn't, it didn't fit what he was looking to do, and it didn't serve the right audience. But once, once he found that, that, that it kind of put everything uh, into place for him. So that, that, that's a wonderful illustration of, of how those things can all come together. Um, I also love the three Ps. I think that's a, that's a very easy way to remember uh, how we should talk about the things that we do and how we can help others. I am um, rambling, but I'll ask my question here. You've used the word charlatan a few times, which I think illustrates the point of how people can feel burned from uh, taking a risk or buying something they probably shouldn't have or doing due diligence. What is, when you're working with someone who is attempting to come across or, you know, as genuine or truly trying to help somebody, how, how do you avoid the pitfall of not being I don't want to say 
advocating for what you do, but it's that, you know, you're not selling someone that you're just trying, you're trying to be genuine, but you don't want to, uh, don't want to come up, come up short when you're trying to uh, talk about all the good things that you might be able to provide. Look, like I said, if you, if your focus is on you and what you need, that's the problem. If your focus is on the other person and what they need, that's when they'll sense it. You know what I mean? Like, um, I was talking to a man today and we just did a, a three-day branded thought leader immersion workshop. That's where we teach people how to add one to two zeros to their annual income and monthly income. And he was there and he had a great time and we have an upsell. And, uh, you know, he didn't take us up on the upsell, but he wanted to keep the dialogue going. And I had a conversation with him and, you know, I was just checking in with him when we, when I called, he went right to the, to the point of, Hey, you know, this is why I chose not to do this. That's all fine and good. And I said to him, listen, here's, here's the truth. Okay. There's an aspect of what we do, which is helping you dial in your message that we we've given you what you need. You don't need any more help on that from us. There's other people who do, but you're good at this because, you know, he's a professional wordsmith and messenger. But I told him, quite frankly, you're, you're weak on selling. You, you have that, uh, you know, uh, good person mindset. You don't want to come across as pushy. You're afraid of putting yourself out there. And my concern for you is that's not going to change on your own. That's my concern for you. You'll, you'll figure out all the other stuff, but this you won't. And in three months and six months, you won't be making the money you should be making because you wouldn't have done the things you needed to do. It's that simple. And, you know, he, um, he still didn't end up buying today. And he told me he wasn't going to buy at the end. But he also told me, he said, I know you weren't blowing smoke up my ass. You were telling me the truth. And I was telling him the truth. If I felt that he was someone who didn't need my help, I wouldn't have bothered having this call with him. I may have had a call with him just to say, hey, man, good to have had you here. Really great to have you around and all that. But I wouldn't have offered to continue to help him. But I offered to continue to help him because I felt that he needed my help. And I still feel he needs my help. But, you know, he needs to see that for himself. And he's either going to see it or he's not. And if he is, great. I'll help him. And if he's not, no problem. Uh, that that that's also powerful because as you said you you're there to have the conversation because you know it can be something that's that's fruitful for him it's something that would help him and you're you're generally trying to to make that uh to, to make that relationship one that, that's beneficial for him that it's not just trying to make a sale for the sake of making the sale and that came across in his response even even if it's something that he he probably was going to regret not taking taking you up on um but you know getting that feedback you know that you're being candid or uh, that he's being yeah. he's finding what you're saying candidly listen i'll be candid with you brother even if he thought he was being pressured i'd know that i wasn't coming from pressure because there's a lot of people who automatically think any type of effort to have a conversation with them is pressure. That's on them. That's not on me. I know where I'm coming from. And here's the honest truth. I don't need anyone's business. My business is thriving. You know what I'm saying? Whether I do business with you or whoever isn't going to change my life. But whether you or whoever does business with me, that will change your life. Because what I'll teach them about how to do what they need to do will completely transform how they approach business. So will allow them to make a ton more money. And I'll, I'll, I'll give you a, another quick story. Um, there was a woman who 
came to us. She had been the country director for Canada for one of the world's leading personal development firms. And uh, she was very good at what she did. And she brought someone on board to help her run the company who she thought was very talented. Kind of like Steve Jobs did with John Scully back in the day with Apple, right? And just like the situation with Steve and John, at first everybody got along, after a while they didn't. And eventually they had a falling out. And just like Steve was forced out of his company, she was forced out of hers. She floundered for 18 months. She came to us. It just, you know, wanting something different, but also really badly hurt by this turn of events. And what we did is we sat with her, we helped her get her message dialed in, we helped her get her ideal target figured out. And then we helped her learn how to serve, not to sell. And I just drilled that into her head. Serve, don't sell, serve, don't sell, serve, don't sell. And this woman went from, you know, being afraid to ask for the sale. She would just kind of talk, 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 and never ask for the sale to kind of like getting really good at asking for the sale. In her first month, she made $10,000 in sales. In her second month, she made $12,000. In her third month, she made $18,000. In her fourth month, she blew it up and made $62,200, Mike. And she lives in Ottawa. I live in Toronto. That's a five-hour drive. And um, my oldest son who's 12 at the time plays soccer or what I call the real football because it's actually played with your feet right <laughs> so <laughs> he had a tournament in Ottawa I called her up she had a son my son's age. I said hey how'd you guys like to come watch a game and grab some lunch and she goes yeah, yeah that's great so we all did that she came over and you know she watched the game with her son we had a chat and the boys played afterwards you know had lunch we went home a few weeks later, we had one of our branded thought leader immersion workshops here in the city. And um, we got to the point where we do the famous upsell. You know what I mean? This is where the new people have an opportunity to buy our program. And uh, the way I do it is I don't do most of the pitch. I ask my people to share their experiences. And so I asked who would like to share their experience. And she just leapt on stage and said, meet, meet, meet. I said, okay, great. And then she looks over the crowd and all of a sudden she starts to cry. I mean, ball. And like any red blooded masculine man confronted with a crying woman, I panicked. What did I do wrong? Why is she crying? <laughs> but I maintained a calm, placid exterior. And she said between sobs, sniffles and tears, Nikki, you didn't know this, but when you and your little son came to see me and my little son, my little son in that excited way little boys do said, mommy, mommy, who are we going to go meet? And I said, oh, we're going to meet Nikki Ballou and his son. And she said, all of a sudden, my son got very quiet, very serious and said, oh, mommy, are we going to meet the man who saved our family? And mm -hmm. brother, I don't cry in public. I'm old school. I cried. We hugged. In between her tears, she said, you didn't know this, but when I came to see you, the bank was about to foreclose on our home because we hadn't paid our mortgage in months. We had no income. And my husband and I were fighting like cats and dogs every day in front of our three small children. It looked like we were about to break up and I was going to lose my precious family. You literally helped us save our family. So I learned something from this. Number one is you never know what someone's dealing with. They may not be ready to tell you. And that someone's fear about selling 
someone coming to you going, oh, you're being pushy, when you know you're not. That really is something that someone like me is here to help them overcome, help them reframe for their own sake. So they don't get stuck being right about pushiness with being wrong about their dream coming alive. And my job that the good Lord has put me here on this earth to do is to help good people serve and not sell their way to success. And I ask God every single day, Lord, put the next person like this woman in front of my path today that needs help, that's suffering, that's struggling. And I'll tell you one more thing. Normally at these events, we hand out our registration forms after the people speak and we tell them, you know, what the program's like and the price and all that. And normally some people sign up, some people don't sign up, and some people need persuasion. There was no requirement for persuasion this day. There were eight people in the room. It's a very high ticket program and everyone signed up immediately. You have some fantastic stories, Nikki. I will tell you that. Absolutely perfect uh, illustrations of, of what you're uh, you know, you're, you're met, you, what you've mentioned, what you talk about and what you teach others, because the, the selling, not serving or the serving, not selling piece is best illustrated by, by that story. And also having somebody else give a firsthand account of how you have literally changed your life is, is beyond powerful as evidenced by eight for eight and having people say, yeah, I want that too. Um, so, I would have never been able to get eight for eight without <laughs> that story. You know that I know that, right? Absolutely not. We did it. <laughs> And and it also comes from a place that you were, as you said, I'm I'm there to help my clients solve their problems. That I, not that you don't need this, or not that this is something that's going to be life changing for you, but you offer life changing solutions. So your, your stories do an amazing job of painting that picture. Uh, somehow we're already on time. So uh, in conclusion, here, you know, you've talked a lot about how you've powerfully helped um, clients in, in all different spheres. What do you do when you're not working? Uh, what do you do to relax or for fun? Well, I got two sons. They're teenage boys in high-level sports. Um, my 16-year-old is in soccer. My 14-year-old is in hockey. Uh, he plays goaltender, toughest job in hockey. Because <laughs> when they win, oh, well, when they lose, it's always, you know, the goalie who bears the brunt of the responsibility. So I, I get to take them places uh, for practices and games. That's always fun. I run a men's organization uh, and I have a, a podcast I do for men uh, as well, talking about issues to help uh, uplift men and, and celebrate masculinity. Um, I read a lot of books and I'm a knife collector. I own uh, quite a few knives. So. Okay. That's, uh, that's quite a, a range of hobbies and things that you do. I will say you have been locked in and excited at all points this evening. But the proud father look that just came across your face as you talked about those two boys was undeniable. So uh, I, I can tell that is a big part and you'd enjoy, enjoy taking them to those games and uh, in the uh, progression as they become uh, higher level athletes. Uh, so just last question for me, we have covered a good amount of material, but anything I didn't ask you tonight that I probably should have. Other in a 30 minute uh, conversation, you covered a lot of ground. There, there could be, you know, lots of other points we could cover, but let me just say this. Um, a lot of a good question to ask would be, why do you do this? Why do you go on podcasts? And my answer to that would be, um, we're living in a time where a lot of people are feeling afraid and uncertain. 
the last two and a half, almost three years, the lockdowns, inflation, war in, in Europe, you know, possible nuclear confrontation with either Russia or China. These are some serious and scary developments that the world has seen. And there's a lot of people that um, are being paralyzed by their fear, even good entrepreneurs, and they're, they're not making the progress they want to. They, they, they may not want to share this out loud with the world, but they're just scared. They don't know how to win in this current environment. They, things that worked three, four, five years ago are working that way now. And why I go on podcasts and share my story is I want to help people believe they can win. You know, because if you believe you can win, you can win. If you don't believe you can win, you can't. And I believe this is the greatest time to be alive in history because times of uncertainty are when the greatest fortunes in history have been made. So, you know, listen to me and listen to my message. If your belief is waning, pick up the one I've got, take it on for yourself, go out there and win. And if, if you're looking for some help, you know, uh, there's a way to get a hold of me. I, I book calls with people, business owners to have conversations with them. And these calls are absolutely free. So um, take advantage of it. I love it. I love that. And where can our listeners find you, Tone, uh, Nikki? So um, my website, my main website, because I got uh, several, is ecircleacademy.com. And uh, there's a button in the top right-hand corner that says book a success call or ecircleacademy.com forward slash appointment. You fill out an application form just so I make sure you're a serious business person. Uh, and once you've done that, you pick a time, get on my calendar, and we have a call. Very nice. And, and as you were talking about uh, times of uncertainty and tough times making stronger people, my mind went to a recent, recent uh, event when I was out with Tony Robbins and I called you Tony there. So you two are kindred spirits in the way that, uh, and that you talk about opportunities. And Nikki, this has been a blast. Thank you so much. And I look forward to next time. Mike, thank you for having me on the show, brother. It was a real honor. God bless you. You got it.